There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1113. Head on over to ID10T.com Sunday, April 4th, uh, which I believe is Easter Sunday, and also the day that the... uh, the finale of season 10C of Walking Dead, uh, the Here's Negan episode will be airing um, that night. Uh, and on Talking Dead, Jeffrey Dean Morgan will be on, uh, as well as Hillary Burton Morgan, uh, who plays Lucille. Um, but ID10T is launching the official, exclusively the official uh, Walking Dead polo shirt, which is a, it's a walker head polo shirt. So it is a, a red polo shirt with a walker head on the pocket area. And uh, we're taking pre-orders starting Sunday, April 4th. Uh, and then they will be shipped out a couple weeks after that. So uh, check in uh, at ID10T.com. Sign up for the email list so you can be notified of the walker head polo and when other things come up. And uh, yeah, just a heads up. The day of this post of the podcast is um, March 25th, 2021, uh, just in case you want to know. Oh, I don't know, unless this was uh, dug up a thousand years in the future and you're just listening to this purely for anthropological and historical reasons, this is a podcast. Uh, and uh, But anyway, if you are in the here and now in 2021, um, that will be Sunday, April 4th. We're taking pre-orders on The Walking Dead, official Walker Polo exclusively at ID10T.com. But now let's talk about you, the ID10T community, with the corkboard. Uh, events at ID10T.com, like Chris Dunn, who writes, We are photographers who've been partners with a company called Archipelago, uh, who develops Lightroom presets for photographers. Presets are helpful editing tools that provide photographers with an efficient workflow and allow them to quickly achieve colors and tones of their aesthetic dreams when editing their images. During the shutdown, we came up with an idea to provide our Lightroom presets, tools, and education to the photography community at a more affordable price option. Typical signature preset package sells at $90 a pack. Right now, with a monthly subscription that provides an exclusive new preset monthly for only $8 a month, they're also providing subscribers with the community to share uh, their work and interact with other photographers around the world along with monthly educational videos and gear reviews. So uh, if you're a photographer, you're inter- interested in joining uh, their quest for new presets, you can subscribe at archipelagoquest.com. You can cancel at any time. We hope you stick around as we continue to grow a supportive and inspiring community of photographers. Thank you, Chris Dunn. And uh, to anyone else, events at id10t.com for your thing on the corkboard. This episode is Mr. Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead. Earlier, when I spoke of Walking Dead Polo, I said this was relevant to this podcast, and it just so happens to be. Not planned, it just worked out that way, because guess what? Kirkman is barely even here to talk about The Walking Dead, which of course we talk about, Uh, but he also has, on March 26th, on Amazon, another comic book. 
uh, Invincible, uh, airing, premiering, launching. It's it's an animated series now with an unbelievable cast. Um, first of all, Stephen Yun, who, when we recorded this a handful of weeks back, had not yet been uh, nominated for an Oscar. Now I can say Oscar-nominated Stephen Yun stars uh, in Invincible. Uh, it's so amazing. I'm so excited for Steve. Uh, he absolutely deserves it. And so uh, congratulations, Steve, if you still listen to the podcast. Uh, I love you. Uh, also in Invincible, J.K. Simmons, Sandra Oh, uh, Gillian Jacobs, Lauren Cohan, Mahershala Ali, John Hamm, Zachary Quinto. I mean, it's an incredible cast uh, and uh, a great comic uh, that has been now realized over at Amazon. So that is uh, congratulations to Robert Kirkman and everyone over at Skybound Image. Um, and uh, and there you go. That is uh, That is available. Well, I guess let's call it now. Because this is going up on the 25th. But by the time you hear it, it'll probably be the 26th. So you can watch Invincible on Amazon uh, right now. P.S. You can also watch The Walking Dead. Uh, Season 10C is in effect right now. That will then roll into April with Fear the Walking Dead. Then eventually World Beyond comes back. Then eventually uh, First Walking Dead show comes back and Talking Dead. So uh, until then, uh, here's a man whom I adore and... Side note, who I owe um, a pretty uh, sizable chunk of my career to. Uh, It's the episode number 1113, Robert Kirkman. Initiating ID10T protocol. Here we are. Is that a different room? This is actually where we've been shooting Talking Dead. Yeah, this is a basement. I watch Talking Dead. I've seen this room many times. What are you talking about? How dare you? How dare you insinuate? I didn't realize. Talking Dead is a show that talks about the walking dead yeah this is my this is my basement we sort of converted it into like a log cabin thing so it looks like a looks like a log cabin but it's cool it's in los angeles the not not a not a log cabin-esque uh city at all so looks like a yeah it looks like a place where you could get comfortably murdered what <laughs> what is that poster behind you is that is that uh, that is a uh, frank frazetta uh poster for uh the uh, 1970s classic the gauntlet with clint eastwood yeah, i saw clint eastwood there i couldn't i couldn't just couldn't figure out it yeah looked- but it is it is the most epic uh movie poster for a movie that is in no way as epic as the movie poster would imply <laughs> and that was a long time clint eastwood co-star sandra Locke, who i believe yes, was in i, quite I believe some film. sometimes wife Sometimes wife, yeah. Briefly wife. Uh, but yeah, the, no, the movie's spectacular, but the poster is like a thousand times better. It's like Clint Eastwood as Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> and I, you know, and I, 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 I'm a liberal, but I still love Clint Eastwood. You know, this, 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 is, this is okay. He can talk to as many chairs as he wants, but, uh, you know, he's still, he's still a rad dude in my book. Is, uh, is that artwork available anywhere, or is that just something that was done for you? No, no, no. This is the actual, uh, what are they called? Uh, it's a six, I think it's a six sheet poster. The, it's oh, gigantic. gotcha. 
so this oh, is that, like the, the poster that they would have put in the in the theaters. Gotcha. Um, the actual the actual painting, uh, I believe, is owned by Robert Rodriguez. Oh my God! Of, of course, he must have a ton of that stuff. Yes, that is that is some excellent artwork. So I'm looking around to see what else is in here. Is that a Transformers post? Uh, Transformers the movie? Yes. Oh, the original animated movie. Yes. Yeah, Transformers the movie is the animated one. Every any anything else is Transformers is Michael okay. Bay stuff, which is also well, good. I love the Michael Bay movies. So I want as good as the animated ones. I want to clear up something because I have a memory in my head, but have not been able to find it anywhere online. But I saw the original Transformers movie in the movie theater with a friend of mine when I was in grade school. And I distinctly remember there was swearing in the movie, which blew my mind Yeah, because there was like, I think when something is maybe when Unicron shows up or something, you know, Spike goes, Oh shit. Like I remember there was swearing in the movie, but when the VHS DVD came out, that was not in the movie. And it made me that I so- remember the the oh shit that Spike says when he pull when he I don't remember that being in the theatrical version. Okay, but uh, it was in the you could get a Japanese version of the of the VHS. Uh, you know, like back when you would get VHS tapes of things from other countries, uh, uh, from places. The international cut basically had the shit. Uh, Ultra Magnus is trying to open the uh, Matrix of Leadership when Galvatron is attacking them on the uh, junk planet which yeah. I used to know the name of, but I'm old now. And uh, uh, he can't open the Matrix because, you know, he, he ain't worthy. That's for Rodimus Prime to do later on in the movie. Right. And he says, damn it, open. And that, that. that was in the theatrical version that I recall and in the VHS version, because I just remember that absolutely blowing my mind. Like that, that fucking Transformer just said, damn it, like, holy crap. That is, yeah, that I didn't is realize crazy. that was, uh, I didn't realize, I, I just at the time, well, there were a lot of things that I didn't realize. Number one, I didn't realize that basically the commercial existed just to be a toy commercial. That was beyond my scope of understanding in the eighties. I just watched the shit out of. I watched the shit out of it. I feel like was the planet Junkion? Like, didn't it just have some sort of a name? Like, that was just it was just sort of like like made up Latin words. Like they just put English words with something that sounds robotic. So like Cybertron and Junkion and wasn't Eric Idle? Yeah, I think, like I think it of, was it was Junkion, but yeah, Eric was, Idle played Retgar and yeah, he said yeah. Dare to Be Stupid in the movie. Yes! Oh my God, that's right. This movie's fucking great. I swear to God, I wa- I was so blown away. I, I watched it like three days ago, by the way. Like I watched this movie constantly. <laughs> you know what's interesting about your fascination with this movie is that there is some seeds of Walking Dead DNA. Oh no no no, no 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 no. Transformers the movie is the basis for my entire career as a writer, my entire writing style, and I'll go even further, the kind of entertainment I prefer to consume. That Because as a, at a very young age, I talked my parents into taking me to the movie theater to see Transformers the movie because I love the cartoon, and at a very young age, eight minutes into that movie... The Autobots are flying from the moons of Cybertron to Earth to warn Autobot City that the Decepticons are going to attack. And Megatron's ship intercepts them. Megatron busts through the side of the ship and fucking starts savagely murders Ironhide and uh, Ratchet. And I want to say somebody else. I know Wheeljack is dead in the city later. But like 
black, like orange smoke comes out of their mouths and their eyes go black and they fucking die. That's where and I was going. They have never, just killing major characters. So they, they have never done that in the cartoon, but like, not only is it killing major characters, but it is sitting down for a piece of entertainment that is going to absolutely blow the back of your head out. Like, I want to, I like, I talk to people that are like, well, you know, I don't really like to be surprised. And I just, can you give me a little hint of what's coming? Like, I, I mean, I'm a little anxious. Like, I, I just want to know. And I'm just like, whoa, it like blows my mind because what I want out of entertainment is I want that sinking, sinking feeling of like, I did not expect this and it is now happening now. And it is taking me to a place that is, it is, it is making me nervous. It is making me scared. It is terrifying me uh, just because I'm entering into the unknown. It's, it's what I uh, strive the most hard to provide in everything that I do. And it is the thing I most enjoy. Um, when, uh, 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 Nikolai Coster uh, Wallace gets his hand cut off in, in Game of Thrones. What's what's his uh, what's his goddamn name in that show? Waldo. Nikolai Coster Waldo. What's Nikolai... what's his what's his uh, what's his uh, what's his name in the show? It's killing me that I can't think of it. Oh, it's uh, um, um, Jamie Kingslayer. Uh, Jamie, uh, yeah, Jamie Lannister. Jamie, uh, Jamie Lannister. When he gets his hand cut off in that show, like I felt sick to my stomach, and the way that he gets his hand cut off, and then it immediately goes into the music. And, and you're just like, and the, sh- and the episode is over and you have to like wait a week to like, like get any kind of like acknowledgement of what just happened. And you're like, well, like what, what, what is, what is going on? Like, like that is the sweet spot in entertainment for me. That is where I want to live. That's a Rick Grimes move by, that's a comics Rick Grimes move, by the way. We did it in, we did it with Rick Grimes in the comics. Uh, uh, with me having not read the Game of Thrones books, but all credit to George R. R. Martin, it happened years before in the uh, in the Game of Thrones books. So I'm not going to take credit for any kind of shockingly, uh, uh, not that you know the guy invented chopping people's hands off. I mean, we've been doing that for years. But uh, uh, but uh, but yeah. But what I'm saying is, it all goes back to Transformers the movie. Everything comes from Transformers the movie. I if love this- Transformers the movie because Robert Kirkman. No, no, because it it. When you think about in the 80s, it, it's very common now for, you know, for major characters to be killed off in storylines. And I do believe that Walking Dead led the charge in, in, in that in, in terms of television to let people know, like, well, no character is safe. Yeah. And at any point, you know, it used to be like, oh, you know, J.R. Ewing would get shot at the end of a season and that'd be a cliffhanger and you didn't know. Oh, but then he turned out to be okay. The idea of killing major characters is just not something television really liked to do because they really like to double and triple down on things that are working. So they don't want people to go away and walk that sort of through their way. And but in the 80s, that was really never done, particularly the philosophy like that they sat down and basically took this toy commercial of a television series and said, look, if we're going to make a movie, it's got to be so wildly next level from what the TV show is. There's going to be swearing. Characters are going to die. Characters are going to evolve. Megatron's going to turn into Galvatron, who's fucking Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> you know, like it, it, like they, I've all mad respect to them for deciding that to make a movie, they were going to up the stakes to such a level. Although, what? It was almost done by accident too, because really all they wanted to do was 
the the cartoon as spectacular as it was and i still watch it sometimes to this day amazing soundtrack by the way the music in the transformers tv show is just absolutely awesome but uh uh it was you know to sell toys uh so when they do the movie the movie is to usher out the previous product line and usher in the new product line. Okay. I'm and sorry. so they're like, Optimus like Prime is dead. All of your toys are dead. All of the toys <laughs> in your house that you're playing with are now dead characters. You do not want to play with them. You want to play with the new toys. You want Hot Rod. You want Cup. You want Blur. You know, Dinobots, super popular. We'll keep the Dinobots around. But everybody else, like those toys are old. You don't want them anymore. You want these new toys. Like that's literally all that movie was. Damn it. Okay. Let's so kill your old products and bring in new ones. But uh, man, yeah. it worked. God damn it. So you're right. So here I am thinking like a creative type, like, oh, it's so bold that they, and it's like, no, no, well, no. That no. was it's the still, intent from Hasbro, still, but then there's a lot of creative Apple people along the way that are like, <laughs> okay, we're going to do some cool shit within this construct. And they, they did and did a great job. Yeah, it really was. And uh, I, I think Orson Welles' last movie, maybe, as Unicron, right? Wasn't that his last film? I, I think I think it is. Yeah, it's one of those famous, like, last movies, like Raul Julia's last movie is uh, Street Fighter 2, or it's like, wait a minute, they, his last movie is Transformers? Like, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of last movies like that. Still a great, still a great thing to be involved with. And, and, and also, um, it... It really, uh, the, the, the animation was great. And it, it, it really, they couldn't, I understand that they were trying to usher in the new level of um, the, the new wave of Transformers now. I just, I just don't know how that escaped me all this time. But they really, really, really did a good job with it. Like they put more time and effort into it than they necessarily had to at that point because all of us who watched the series would have gone to see the movie anyway. But they did the animation was, they really did up the game on the series. Although I don't remember, did, did a lot of that bleed back into the series after it came out? I know like later on. Oh, yeah. No, the, the, the animated series after the movie completely follows up after the movie and has all the characters from the movie seasons one and two of the television show take place before the movie and seasons three and four take place after the movie. Uh, and it's all, it's all very tight continuity wise. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, I really, are they still making Transformers cartoons now? Or they, have they done a season? Oh, I mean, there's a, there's, a Netflix, uh, there's a Netflix show. But look, I'm here to promote cartoons on Amazon, so I am mentioning no Netflix show. <laughs> but, uh, but no, that's, there's, a, there's a pretty cool Transformers cartoon that's on, that's on Netflix right now. <laughs> on, uh, some, it, on some streaming platform that's not relevant. It, to doesn't, it doesn't use uh, Peter Cullen as the voice of Optimus Prime, which I consider a cardinal sin. Oh, uh, yeah, you so, got to have so, him. So that kind of frustrates me. but. Uh, yeah, yeah, you got to have him and you got to have the guy who did Starscream, who also, that was a, that was a pretty epic, I mean, there's just tons of spoilers for Transformers, the movie, the, the cartoon, but at this point, if people haven't seen it in the last 36 years, 35 years, <laughs> I feel like the, the spoiler, um, uh, I, I feel like that's been lifted at this point. Yeah, yeah. But that- yeah, No, the Starscream death is horrifying. I remember I had some friends over- and I, I had videotaped, I had taped the movie from cable and I replayed the Starscream death when Galvatron shows up and turns into this wicked laser cannon. And they were just not as impressed as I was. I thought it was the coolest fucking thing I had ever seen. And it was just yet another example of like, why? 
stuff well, he, I was he, into. He turns black and crumbles into ash. And then uh, Galvatron like stomps on the crown that was on his head. And it yes. is just, it's just the absolute, like yes. the most brutal yes. shot. Starscream gets to be the leader of the Decepticons for like 10 seconds. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, he got great. his wish. He got his wish. He's been trying to do that since the very beginning of the show. And he did it. Briefly. Although, where do you stand on this? Because the, just like the, the, the physical laws of that universe, I always wondered how at that beginning scene, when Megatron breaks into the, to the Star Cruiser, and then starts murdering everyone. I remember kind of thinking like, oh, well, so all the other times they got shot, like, I don't understand the, I don't understand like the science of how now all of a sudden he's able to murder them. Of course, it's a movie and they were able to do it. Chris, do there's, there's still some level of fuck you, it's for kids. You have to acknowledge <laughs> there's always a little bit of fuck you, it's for kids. I mean, you know, like all the other Transformers die Optimus Prime dies and turns gray. That didn't make yeah. any damn sense. Why, no. why, why is that happening? Um, but uh, but yeah, there's a lot of inconsistency. I mean, look, if you pay attention to the movie, uh, some of the Insecticons that get turned into the Sweeps and uh, Cyclonus are actually at the coronation in the background of the Starscream scene. So there's oh. there's some little there's some little things where you're like, eh, you know, it's for kids, like uh, you know, like whatever. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it doesn't make it any less spectacular. Uh, so I mean, one of them is a normal sized transformer, and then turns into a goddamn flying train space shuttle, and then they all get inside of him, and they leave the planet. And you're like, wait, what? Like, how did that guy turn into a giant <laughs> shuttle that they all that they all fit they can into? Fit a bunch of other giant robots. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I know that there's like some mythology where someone at Hasbro was like, well, you know, these transformers are uh, they're they're hollow and there's a lot of space in them, and so that's why Megatron can turn into a little gun and then turn into a full size transformer. Uh, and that's I'm just I just leave it to fuck you. It's for kids. Like I, we don't need to have like scientific explanations for why Megatron like shrinks down into a handgun that the other ones can hold. No, he's, I'm your leader now. Hold me and shoot me. Really economized his transforming. <laughs> yeah, the only way to explain that is you know it's for kids. Like whatever. It's it's dumb. There's a little aspect of this that is stupid, and that's what makes it special. You should yeah, embrace. I guess, that. I guess I guess if you if you're willing to suspend your disbelief that there's a planet of humanoid robots. Uh, that is basically just like our planet, but just everything is cyber, then you're probably fine with suspending your disbelief about the physics of the Transformers not working. I was not a, I don't, I, as much as I love Transformers, I was so irritated by GoBots. Did you watch GoBots? Loved GoBots. Did you? I just didn't like how rubbery they were. Like that to me, like felt not. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they, they were bendy and I just felt like, even as a kid, I was like, I was upset by the physics of it because it didn't, it just felt like, how are they so bendy? This metal, like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make Look, any go, sense. Gobots were uh, in, in the, I called Gobots the transformers my parents could afford. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so the, the Gobots cartoon was absolute garbage, but you know what? It's all we could, it's all we could afford in the Kirkman household. So the, so the, so the Gobots, <laughs> not to be confused, not to be confused with the Kirk, the Kirkman uh, household, the Gobots were basically the Kirkland brand Transformers. <laughs> yes, yes, they were. <laughs> they were like the 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 bag of uh, of uh, honey O's at the on the bottom of the shelf, as opposed to the Honey Nut Cheerios, which were like two shelves higher. That was the Gobots. Yes, exactly. They were the ones where the packaging didn't have quite as much uh, effort put into the design. But it is interesting that we that that at, at, as 
as creative types, you know, we think of television and film as artistic, television specifically as an artistic medium, which, I, you know, which- it Do can, we? Well, but this is the question of like, when you really kind of peel back the layers, like, wait a minute, television shows were created to distract people so that they'd be focused on a box that would sell them shit. <laughs> yeah, we're all just selling paper towels, baby. Why do you think you do this podcast? You don't hear those ads? You do remember recording those things, right? <laughs> yes. We're a creamy mattress. It's a mattress made out of whipped cream. You know, everybody should be sleeping on whipped cream today. I slept on whipped cream last night, and I loved it. Creamy mattress. It's the mattress for you. They'll ship it to your house. It'll unbox and... You'll 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 try it for five days. Home and it on to your food. If you don't like it, because that's not a ploy. Who's going to have someone come and straight. get a mattress at their house? Like, come on. By the way, th th these sarcastic ideas tend to be some of the best ideas. I think foamy mattress is a uh, is a really great idea. Cream, wait, whipped cream mattress was it? Yeah, it's a mattress full of whipped cream. I don't see any problem with that. I don't. It's, it's I don't, good for uh, it's good for a couple of days, and then it smells real bad. Do you remember? I don't. I don't think this is really a trend anymore. But you must have had this in Kentucky too, because it was very popular in Tennessee where I grew up. Um, the waterbed trend. Did you guys have a waterbed when you're or like nope? Like waterbeds were such a thing, and I've never heard anyone in the last 25 years say like blah 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 waterbed that I, I own. So I can I can I can talk about waterbeds if you want. Yeah, my I, parents I like, had my parents had a waterbed. And uh, as a, as a kid, I remember, uh, uh, you know, like from time to time during a little bit of spring cleaning, uh, my mother would have a broom and she would be burping the waterbed because the waterbed would get air bubbles in it. And you would have to take the little cap off <laughs> and you would run a broom across the waterbed and like push the air toward the open cap <laughs> to get some of the excess air out of said waterbed. And you know, like you, you lay in your parents' bed and you're like, this is the best, this is the best thing ever. I just love waterbeds. So cool. And so uh, lo and behold, I think for my 14th or 15th birthday, Robert Kirkman got a fucking waterbed. Unbelievable. Did you and have, I had uh, uh go ahead. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm just stepping on your questions. No, you're not. I, I was just, I was just asking, did you also have to uh, burp the, the bed to get the air out? Yeah. Yeah, because it starts to get like it, it starts to get balloony, and you can feel it like lifting you because there's like an air bubble on top of the water in a contained, you know, bubble. You're, you're a science guy, you know how this works. And so, uh, uh, so you know, air right, it, it just makes the surface feel weird. Uh, but the waterbed is just probably the grossest goddamn thing on the entire fucking planet because it is a it is a wooden box with a big big you know plastic bag inside of it that you put like sheets and stuff on, but like dirt and grime, it, you, you basically have a gigantic uh, mother of all couch cushions around the perimeter of your bed. So like any dirt and debris or whatever just gets stuck down in there. And so those cracks around the waterbed are just horrific. You know, you find ink pens down there, like all kinds of stuff. And then uh, uh, the edge of the waterbed is a, is a wooden box, which is, you know, hard because it's it's wood. And so you're like climbing over this like wood frame to get into bed. And so you get like, you get like uh, uh, shin bruises and things climbing into bed, but they, uh, they give you these like pads that you put on the, on the bed. Uh, but the pads have like this like thin nylon, like, like coating over like some cushiony material. 
And uh, those things just get ripped up. So you have like holes like in the pads on the side. The thing just looks terrible. Not very um, practical. <clears throat> Not very practical. No, no, but I do, no. I do miss the, uh, I, I have a local commercial from Memphis from the, eight, from the early 80s stuck in my head, which was uh, at Country Boy Waterbeds. We just want to say, if you ain't sleeping on water, you water. Oh, which, shit. Which I'm sure you must have had equally colorful local Kentucky commercials of similar businesses or like the furniture store where the person would have their kids in the shot, you know, like in the commercials. Yeah. Like, oh, oh yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, if you grew up in the eighties, you grew up in a world where if you didn't have a waterbed, you were trash, <laughs> especially in Kentucky, you know, cause you get the, you get the woman with the tallest hair on the planet that's on your TV going, well, I sleep on a bed of water, blah, blah, blah. Isn't that the most fanciest thing you could ever think of? Uh, meanwhile, it is, you know, basically the white trashiest, uh, 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 you know, piece of furniture you could ever have. Um, but uh, water that I'm pretty sure they did. You, you would have had to have put chemicals or something in there to keep the water from just. Turning. Oh, yeah. The water inside a waterbed is usually like neon blue. Right. Because it's got so much uh, uh, stuff in it to keep it from, you know, getting too gross. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you'd have to drain it from time to time. There was like a attachment for a water hose that you would attach to the, to the little cap and you would have to like push the water out of the thing and it'd go through the water hose and out into your yard. And then you'd refill it like every now and then, uh, just the stupidest invention ever. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I talk about waterbeds all day, Chris, but I kind of feel like we've lost everyone. No, not at all. Are you kidding? We've talked about cartoon robots. We've <laughs> talked about... <laughs> We've talked about uh, whipped cream mattresses, which I think is the next trend, by the way. I think people are ready for whipped cream mattresses. And if it's too firm, you just there's just a little valve and you can just suck some of it out and then and then just kind of like soften the mattress a little bit. These are good I ideas. Like I feel I like, like often when we get together, we come up with so many good ideas. And I think whipped cream mattresses is is a really is a really solid winner of an let's, idea. Let's do it. You got it. <laughs> You need to you need to invest some of this Walking Dead money into the whipped cream mattress. Oh, did you how do you still have a bed and breakfast? Whatever happened with that? Oh, I don't need to talk about the bed and breakfast. Oh, we're but, not talking uh, about no, that. no. My uh, <laughs> no, my my. I say my wife has a bed and breakfast uh, in Kentucky. It's uh, it's called uh, Ashford Acres Inn. If anyone is uh, looking for a place to stay in Cynthiana, Kentucky, it is a it is a wonderful establishment. Uh, that is uh, run by my uh, sister-in-law uh, Anastasia, and uh, uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a it's a great little place for you to stay if you want to stay in a bed and breakfast in Cynthiana, Kentucky. In Cynthiana, Kentucky, yeah, it's beautiful. And Cynthiana is a fantastic town, and they got a lot of Walking Dead memorabilia, and you know, like uh, there's a big Walking Dead mural, and you can see some of the places from the Walking Dead comics because the first issue of Walking Dead took place in Cynthiana, Kentucky. So it's uh, it's you know, it's not not a bad place to visit. I know that, I mean, obviously The Walking Dead has a wide berth of, uh, the universe has a wide berth of storytelling going on at the moment. It, it, it is, I mean, I always, I always thought like, well, someday, you know, the show's going to wrap up. I really kind of thought like, oh, is this going to be like one of those CSI type shows that goes for like 20 years? Uh, and ending, and I know it's still like almost two years away. It hasn't really sunk in with me yet. I think because I've kicked it down the field emotionally, like what's well, yeah. still like way down, you know, 
Um, and it's not just, I mean, like, yes, I will miss doing Talking Dead too, but I will miss the show. Like it, it is, it does feel. You think you're going to stop doing Talking Dead after season 11? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that we haven't had those conversations, so I have no, I have no idea. But you know, like even just so many things have changed since the show started, you know, yeah. like it, number one, the way television shows are made, the type of, like all these platforms erupted and started creating content. Like when The Walking Dead started, it was such a unique animal because number one, you know, shooting a zombie show with those kinds of special effects, you know, in HD, like it was just never done before. Like I said, you know, killing off major character. There was so much about the show that was so different. And then in the years, you know, like after a few years of, the, of it being on the air, all these platforms emerged and that kind of like genre based television show, it sort of proliferated, you know, like, but even the way that people watch television has changed in the last 10 years. So it really has kind of straddled these two different eras of media. And it's, it's just, it, it is kind of surreal to me. Like I just still haven't really fully processed yeah. it. I, I think about it a lot because, uh, you know, Walking Dead was fortunate to arrive at a time when you could be a, an extremely noisy TV show that gets a lot of notice and gets people talking about it. And, and uh, it's really, really way more difficult to do that now with all of the various different platforms and people producing, you know, what is it like 10,000 shows a year now? Um, you know, I think that even if you just look at you know, 2009 when The Walking Dead debuted versus 2021, just the number of television shows that are in production is exponentially higher just because all of these big uh, streaming platforms are, are trying to do, uh, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. And so it's uh, it's kind of harder to stand out, uh, you know, so as a person who's, you know, looking to create TV shows and, and, and do more things like that, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to see just how different the landscape is you know, pre-Walking Dead and eventually uh, uh, post-Walking Dead, if there ever is truly a post-Walking Dead. I mean, I know we're ending with our season 11, but I think they said that, you know, AMC announces, ah, you know, it's ending on season 11 and we're also doing these five other shows. Uh, yeah, so yeah, The Walking yeah. Dead will live on in some form. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's definitely uh, uh, been a, a wild ride to see the, uh, uh, you know, just the, the changing landscape of television and, and get to, you know, watch how it's all unfolded. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. I mean, binge watching wasn't, I mean, obviously you could get a DVD set of something and binge watch it, but, but the concept of binge watching current shows was not a thing in 2010, you know, it just, it, it's so strange to me um, how, and I have no idea what, you know, I, I, I keep saying like the, the, the pandemic really hastened this shift in, in programming and broadcasting that was already underway, but it, it really um, made it kind of happen faster with like the breaking apart of companies and the reforming and the, and the uh, you know, and streaming services, like really kind of rushing, like, Oh, well, everyone's home. We got to start like, yeah, we got to start getting these things in place so we can, you know, everyone. And so it, it, it creating shows now does the idea that people will probably binge watch them, does that affect the creative process in any way, you know, as, or is it different than the sort of like traditional linear broadcasting or even comics, like, well, issue to issue, week to week, people will just have to wait until, does the, is the storytelling affected by the idea that these things will probably be binged watched? I think that, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, not really for me. I think that uh, uh, if you make your show, your show has to be, uh, uh, in a sense, your show can be less interesting if it's being binge watched. If you're if you're watching from week to week, you have to give more to the audience to make them hold on for that gap, you know, between weeks and between seasons. Uh, if you're binge watching, it's I feel like it's a lot easier to get somebody to watch a show a minute later than it is to you know get somebody to come back a week later. Um, so I, I don't know that there's necessarily a need, uh, you know, to, to change your storytelling, uh, to accommodate binge watching. I think that, uh, uh, it can heighten the experience. Uh, I watched Breaking Bad, uh, as it came out and, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed that show immensely. Uh, I'm recently rewatching it with my, uh, soon to be 15 year old son and, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, wait, that character from season four appears in one episode of season one. I didn't realize that. And oh, yeah, that that they actually showed him working at the uh, I had forgotten that they'd actually showed him working at the car wash that he eventually buys. Like when the, she was like, yeah, you worked at this car wash. We're going to buy it. I was like, oh, yeah, did he work at a car wash? I don't know, because it's like it, you've watched those episodes years previous right. when you're when you're seeing season three, season four. Uh, and so it, it, it uh, provides like a, uh, a much more, uh, you know, maybe just for morons like me. But uh, it provides like a much richer experience because you're uh, consuming it all together. And so you see all the little nuances and, you know, little little tricks and things uh, a little, you know, closer than you would otherwise. Uh, all that said, uh, I am somewhat against uh, uh, binge watching, um, you know, as a person, just because I, I love being forced to, to digest and contemplate what it is that I have experienced. I think that, uh, you know, one of my favorite shows going on right now is the Mandalorian by far. And, you know, I just love the, uh, you know, the sense of community that it's brought back to television watching where like, uh, a show like stranger things, you're like, uh, uh, you know, you and I are talking and, you know, we both like stranger things and we get on the phone and we're like, Oh my God, the, the new season of stranger things, right? Like, uh, isn't it great? And then you're like, oh, I'm only on episode four. And I'm like, oh, oh, I'm on episode five. And that is the end of the conversation. Like, we don't talk about it. You're here. I'm here. We're both enjoying it. Great. But on a thing like Mandalorian, oh, my God, did you just watch oh, the Crate Dragon? It's great. Yeah, I just, oh, my God, I can't wait till next week. Like, everybody's on the same place. 
everybody is like forced to have that gap between episodes. And, uh, you know, it, it brings back that sense of community that you had, you know, back in the early days of Walking Dead and, and uh, you know, the uh, television and the, you know, that we grew up with where you, you know, go to school and talk about X-Files and things like that. It, it's really cool. And I think there's a happy medium that, uh, you know, comes from, you know, the way that Mandalorian has had success that, uh, that Amazon is doing. I think the way that they launched The Boys where they're giving you these three episodes and yes. so you get to binge the first three episodes and get hooked on the season. And then from that point on, it moves into that weekly model. They could easily put all those episodes out on the same day, but then I'm so glad it, it they would be too. one day where you consume it and then it's, and then it's over. But by doing the three episodes and then the other episodes, like you get that Mandalorian effect of like, Oh my gosh, Huey did this and Butcher doing this. And did you see what Homelander did? And I'm very excited just to bring this to a, a place where I can try and shill something. Uh, that we're doing that launch with Invincible as well on Amazon. Well, and I think you're right, by the way, because well, I, I do think some shows are like fast food where you just kind of want to consume it all at once and then not think about it again. And some shows are these kind of sumptuous feasts that you wouldn't want to eat every day, but like, but every so often it just is really satisfying and it really sits with you. And you're right. And I think, you know, Walking Dead might have been a much different experience if it had just all come out at once 10 years ago and then every season it all came out at once because you're right I think the the experience of being able to really process and talk and theorize like that really forms community and that keeps the conversation going and it's the thing that powered talking dead but also I and especially with the boys I loved the the ritual experience of Every week when there was a new episode, my wife and I would go, oh, my God, there's a new episode of The Boys. Holy shit. Let's watch. You know, it's coming out. Let's watch yeah. it. And Finally, so it's that, Friday. There's something to live for. Well, kind of in a way. Yeah. And so it like that experience is um, is it should not be minimized, but also but that's not for every show like shows that have a lot of stuff going on and a lot of characters and like dense plot lines and crazy, you know, like shows that are shocking in in great ways need those times to digest like the boys are walking dead or, or breaking bad or whatever but not every show necessarily has that uh so i do think it's a case-by-case basis because when when talking dead first started to get so you think we should we should binge watch bad shows is what you're saying I'm, no, I think there are some shows that are just that, that are more appropriate to binge watch because yeah. you can just kind of tear through them and they make sense as a whole. They're just like, it, it's just kind of like watching a long movie, you know, like, oh, I got it all at once, you know. But I do like the idea of binge watching as a supplemental viewing experience, like your experience with Breaking Bad, where you now you've experienced a show, you can go back, go, oh, shit, here's all these Easter eggs or all these things that connect that I never really... I never really realized before. And I'm, I'm really glad to hear that you're doing that with Invincible because it's going to, I think it's going to, you know, because in, Invincible has those moments that I think people are going to, those they're going to talk about, you know, week to week and it's going to keep people coming yeah. back. It's got those, what are they called? Transformers, the movie moments <laughs> where you're like, oh my God, I didn't expect this to happen. <laughs> did you, uh, I've, I've did you ever expect, I feel like early on when I would have conversations with you, when the walking dead first started, you were like, yeah, but you know, invincible. I don't know if that's something that'll ever get to get made. I just don't know if that's, I'm just not sure that's the thing. Listen, that's- can you not reveal to the public how negative I am privately? 
They I'm know. Trying to look like a positive human being <laughs> who is happy about things and is cheerful. No, and, and, and I just, that. you know, no, don't, don't reveal. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I, I can be I can be labeled somewhat of a pessimist at times. Well, I think, you know, yes, some of that's pessimism, but some of it's also like uh, uh, tempering expectations and also just sort of being realistic that the landscape of programming has changed so much since, you know, 10 or 11 years ago that, yes, you know, like a network probably, you know, content wise, maybe wouldn't have been able to do like Invincible. Like it was it was crazy that Walking Dead even got made on a ne- for on sure a, on, on television. And that really, you know, like evolved the like the types of shows that are made. And, you know, television is a business. And so when a, when networks see like, oh, The Walking Dead, which is a show that we might have been afraid to do before because it's so violent and it's so intense. But now that's doing really well. Maybe we should, you know, like it's they follow yeah. the money. So uh, um, I, I will say more than all that, the, uh, uh, you know, like back in, you know, 2009 or so when, when we were probably talking, um, you know, there, there hadn't been this this superhero landscape that that is, I think, necessary for Invincible to really thrive. Invincible debuted in 2003 as a comic at a time when the comic book audience had been reading superhero stories, you know, for a lot of people their entire lives, you know, there's, you know, almost a hundred years of superhero tropes and things to, to play upon. And Invincible really is, I think the most appealing to someone who is very well versed in superhero storytelling. And they know that, you know, villains do this and heroes do this, and this is how the world works. And this is how secret identities work. And this is, you know, uh, how like different, you know, like layers and different like tropes that you have in superhero stories Uh, because invincible, uh, you know, mainly it it, it subverts those things and it plays upon your expectations and uh, you know, lulls you into thinking, you know, what a story is going to be and then kind of, you know, shifts the ground out from under you. And so you really need an audience that is well-versed in superhero storytelling to really get as much out of invincible as, as, as you can. And now that we're moving into 2021, that audience is literally almost everyone on the planet. Thanks to the MCU, thanks to Warner brothers, thanks to all these CW shows, uh, you know, the various DC animated films, like the superheroes are literally absolutely everywhere. And so I think that it's just the perfect time. I mean, the boys is another really good example of a show that, you know, kind of does what we're talking about. Uh, You know, the Homelander character, you know, because he, you know, you identify him as a Superman like character has more weight to it because when he does the things that he does, your brain is like, this shouldn't be happening. That's right. not the way this character should be behaving. And that's intriguing and makes the story a little deeper for you. Uh, Invincible does, you know, a, a lot of that. And it almost couldn't. And, and the same with the, the same with the Deadpool movies, like that, that you needed like 30 yes. years of superhero movie tropes for it to then comment on that. And that is in like Invincible, that's, that's what's so great about the dialogue with the audience and with fandom, because there is that you're kind of peeking your head above what's been done and going, Hey everyone, sort of like with um, the scream series, like, Hey everyone. Yes. You're fans. Really great example. You're fans of this genre. You're fans of this type of a, of a thing. And, but we know what, we know how it normally goes. And so we're just going to kind of make fun of stuff, fuck with other things, flip things upside down because we're all, and, and that's when you have like community creators, like people who are in the community, in the demographic, 
who are creating the content for that community and that demographic. And that's, I think, what helps it ring true. But in the old media days, that would have been considered too niche or too like, you know, because media didn't think that way. They just always thought lowest common denominator, biggest, widest audience possible. And now because you have, you know, streamers like Amazon who are able to say like, hey, we understand that niche just means hyper-targeted focused audience, which also can bleed into the mainstream as well. And we know how to reach that audience. And we have algorithms that can reach that audience. It is kind of a wonderland for the, the kind of fan-driven niche content creators because it just kind of, you're able to cut through all the noise and just, and like really reach into the heart of your audience in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we're moving into a real uh, uh, renaissance for, you know, genre fans and genre storytelling, just because the way these streaming platforms work is it's not like traditional media where you have to have this giant audience. They're looking for subscriber bases and, you know, Netflix and Amazon and all these places, their subscriber base can be pieced together from a thousand different niche audiences. So as long as those people are subscribers and they're all subscribing together, you can provide much more unique and much more different, much more targeted entertainment, which is you know going to lead to some really cool choices and some really awesome stuff moving forward. And also as a creator, they know it's, I, I feel like the streamers don't necessarily do what networks would have done in the past, which is go, okay, well, we have this property and we want to make a thing out of it, but it's for television. So we got to kind of like tone it. Uh, we got to spin it a little bit for our audience where I feel like the streamers just go, look, Robert Kirkman, you obviously made this successful comic. You know how to make it. So just make it the way you think it should be done. You know, would you agree that there's a, that there's more creative freedom as a creator with this type of a setup because they know that you know your audience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with with Amazon, it was like we want to we want to turn this comic book into an animated series, and they're like, "Yeah, cool." And we were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," but you don't understand. Like, this is super violent, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, cool." And then we're like, "Yeah, but you know, like we, you know, we're gonna, you know, like like keep all the violence, and it's gonna be this this sprawling epic that's you know gonna be this crazy thing." And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, that's great." And they're like, "Okay, but in order to do that, it needs to be an hour long." And they were like, yeah, cool. You know, and we're like, all right, great. <laughs> like, now we're doing this insane hour-long animated series that is, uh, I, I have, I'll say this for Invincible fans, uh, Invincible is a violent comic. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happens. But uh, uh, when it's all moving and it has sound and everything, it's like a thousand times worse. Right. And uh especially in 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 i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna spoil things but uh but uh when we when when we get in there and we roll our sleeves up we're like okay the comic did this let's see if we can plus this up let's see if we can make this crazier and more intense and and nutty and uh uh so what we end up with is when the episodes come back i'm like oh my god they're never gonna let us get away with this like we are gonna have to tone this down we're gonna have to cut these things we're gonna have to clean this up this is crazy and then they go through clearances and people are like, thumbs up. And I'm just like, holy crap. Well, animation like usually gets more of a pass. Nuts. Animation usually gets more of a pass than live action. And some pretty outrageous stuff happens on The Boys, which is live action. So I would imagine an animated show would have like, would even have a little more leeway on top of that. Yeah. Yeah, there are they, you know, I the boys is is fantastic. There, 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 there are definitely times where, you know, we're like 10 times past some of the craziest things they've done on the boys. 
it's uh, it's it's going to be kind of kind of loony. And so this this iteration of of Invincible is it ex- it's exactly what you had hoped for, or always kind of what you thought it would need to be to get made. Yeah, I mean it's 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 you know it's a creator's dream come true. I mean, uh, you know, working with Corey Walker and Ryan Otley on the comics and 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 bringing that together, like we had that environment because of image comics to, you know, push the envelope and do whatever we wanted and, and, you know, no holds barred comics. And, uh, uh, and so that's been established. And so to be able to continue that kind of mode in animation form, uh, and to end up with a product that, uh, you know, like, like crosses the lines we want to cross and, and, uh, you know, provides those shocking moments that we want to provide. And, 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 but really, at its heart i mean i i have to say this with walking dead too like it's not violence for violence sake like the whole thing is about invincible exploring the ramifications uh, of these things and, and the drama that comes from that and and the real human toll that superheroes existing in our world would have and you can't do that unless you show them the ugly side of of, of what this world you know is all about and uh, uh, you know, being able to to, to go to those places and, and show those things, uh, there's absolutely gut wrenching moments in Invincible, and uh, uh, you know, I couldn't be happier with the things we've been allowed to do. It's it's going to be a crazy experience. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The cast is pretty amazing, too. Um, Steve, Steve Young plays Invincible, and I is J.K. Simmons play Omni-Man? Yeah, J.K. Simmons is Omni-Man. Sandra Oh is Debbie. We got Gillian Jacobs as Adam Eve. We got Walton Goggins as Cecil Stedman. We got Clancy Brown. We got Mark oh. Hamill. We got, we got Zazie Beetz. We got Mahershala Ali. Like, uh, uh, I'm just Andrew Reynolds. Like, we're, we're you know, there's a lot of names I'm, I'm not saying. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not going to try to list everybody because I'll forget people. We got we got a ton of the Walking Dead cast coming in to play the Guardians of the Globe. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, I think I saw Lauren Cohan's name on the on the yeah, list. Yeah, Lauren Cohan. Uh, we got uh, 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 we got Sonequa Martin Green. We got Chad Coleman. Oh my God, Vaughn. that's fantastic! We got Michael Cudlitz. Like we got Lenny James. It's it's going to be great. <laughs> it's, it must be nice to be able to go back to the Walking Dead cast. Listen, I'm sorry your character died on that show, but here's this other show. That you could do a thing on? <laughs> it's possible that in the case of some of these actors, 
uh, we are killing them again. <laughs> Kirkman! <laughs> which, is, uh, which is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Hey, you want to come die again? In an animated way, though. Like, Listen, like, you know, cool. like with with what people go through with prosthetics and special effects and stuff, you know, in The Walking Dead, like the physical exotic, like just being able to go into a sound booth or even just in some cases probably their own homes with like a microphone, I'm sure that's not a big ask. No, no, yeah, it's it's a, it's a lot easier to get people to do voice recording than it is to, you know, have to get them to, you know, go to a place at a certain time where they can all be together. Like it's it's definitely a lot harder. Do you do do you make a vocal appearance in Invincible anywhere? I absolutely do not. Oh come on! <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, it's it's still a it's still a pet peeve of mine. Like I don't like it when people cameo in their own things. It Why just, is that? It just it just it always pulls me out of the you know like you're watching Lord of the Rings and you're like oh geez there's Peter Jackson. It's okay. It's your movie. Like why do I have to look at you now? Like come on. You know, um, I don't know. I guess I guess I have no fun in me is what I'm saying. I, don't I that, know. that's interesting to hear you say that because of and and I and I feel like I I'll regret if I never do it. I I'm already starting to regret it, but early on in the run of Walking Dead, Nicotero would always say, "Hey man, come down, man. We'll make you a zombie. We'll put you in a and Two two things always kind of stopped me from doing it. Number one, I I went through zombie makeup first season of Talking Dead, and it was it was pretty intense. Um, and secondly, I always thought, yeah, but if people see me and they recognize me, it's going to take them out of the show. I don't want to be the thing that people are like, fuck you, man. You, you know, like your stupid face, like ruined walking dead, you know? And so I, I was always hesitant for the exact same reason, even though they probably would have made me up to be unrecognizable, but now yeah, that I mean, it- Greg Nicotero himself has played, I don't know, a thousand different key <laughs> key zombies that you but he's would recognize the artist behind the zombies so it makes sense no, but what but... i'm saying is you don't know it's him like he's right. it's not like there's the same zombie showing up constantly like they do the makeup in a way that you can't tell uh but no you should definitely be a zombie if i don't do it because it uh seems painful yeah the the you know listen for anyone who hasn't gone through the goal was is it hard to get makeup on it's like well you, you, you sit there for a while, like there's a bunch of shit glued to your face. The contacts are pretty intense. You can't really move. You can't really, you know, breathe. Like the, the actors, like the, the, the extras who go, I mean, I don't even want to say like extras, not, I wouldn't even like the featured zombies, like the zombies on the show, the amount of uh, work that they go through to, to bring those things to life with all of the makeup and all the shit. And in some cases, like, you know, have special ventilation so that their body yeah. can breathe. And, and when they still have to convincingly be animated dead people, it's pretty fucking epic. <laughs> that- no, it's like, if you, if you think you, if you think it's easy to be a zombie on the walking dead, I want you to uh, encase yourself in trash bags, <laughs> make sure that you were completely sealed inside and then poke a hole in it with a straw for you to breathe in, and then go stand in the sun for, uh, I don't know, six hours. And then have to still move around and convincingly perform a task. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's difficult work. Do you, uh, do you have any plans for, have you, have you kind of dealt with it yet with the show? I mean, even though, like, again, there are other Walking Dead properties, there's still, but. Yeah. But this is like, you know, it's, it was the first one. I mean, it was, it, it changed, it changed your life, you know, like you, 
Yes, you know, I, I think about how much it's changed my life and I'm just like the weird cousin of the show, you know, like it, <laughs> it's going to be hard for me to say goodbye to it. A scrappy do of Walking Dead. Kind of. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not scrappy do. <laughs> no, I'm puppy power. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Come on. But uh, uh, but no, I uh, uh, I guess I'm not really thinking about it, to be honest. Um, you know, Angela's hard at work on our massive season 11. Uh, it's going to be our biggest season ever. And there's, you know, there's there's a, a long road ahead to get all of that done. And so uh, uh, I guess I'm, I'm more focused on that and not focused on the fact that, you know, when that's done, uh, uh, you know, everything will be different. The world will be different. There won't be a core Walking Dead show. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, you got me thinking about it now and I'm starting to, uh, uh, get short of breath, but, uh, uh but no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, I don't know. I mean, I ended the comic, uh, uh, is it, can it, can it be worse than that for me? Uh, probably not. I mean, that was pretty emotional. Uh, uh, so, so I don't know. I mean, um, do you ever it, think back? Do you ever think back about that and go, ah, "I could have just gone for a little bit longer"? Or do you feel like, no, that's the story ended the way it needed to end, and and I'm 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 peaceful with that? Yeah, it's that second one, really. I mean, I think that uh, uh, I'm so insecure as a writer. If I have to be completely honest, I'm like, if I worked on that for even one more month, I know I would have fucked it up. You know, like I I feel like I I just like skated by on the skin of my teeth to to get to an ending that people seem to be satisfied with. And yes, internet, I know there's some people that aren't satisfied with it, uh, but, uh, uh, but you know, the ending did seem, you know, very well received. And so I feel like if I, you know, like I say, if I were to work one more minute on that, I would have ruined it all. So, so no, I, I, I got it exactly at the right time. And, you know, it, we would talk about this sometimes when you, when you would come on talking dead and we would talk about the episode that would just air and then in the commercial breaks, you'd go, man, you know, my brain is so far into next season because we're already in production. We're already, you know, there's a, there's this constant forward momentum where you as the as a, as a creator are generally like a year ahead of what anyone is seeing at yeah. least, you know. So yeah. you're, that, that forward momentum has, has probably spared you a lot of the things that maybe you've you've already kind of mourned because you lived through it like a year before anyone had seen it. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I always found walking dead to be, or talking dead, being on talking dead to be like the most nerve wracking, uncomfortable experience possible. Uh, just because, uh, yeah, like, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm always worried I'm going to spoil something. I'm always worried that I'm, uh, you know, going to say the wrong thing. And there, you know, there was, there would be like the cuts that you're reviewing and the episodes that you're writing and the things that are airing. So you're, there's kind of like three walking dead shows that exist at one point. And then when I was writing the comic, there's like this fourth walking dead thing. And so it's almost like keeping four different universes like together in your head. And uh, you also are on live television and you have to not look like a moron, or at least that's a hope. I don't know that yeah. I accomplished that. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know if people have even noticed, but I haven't been on Talking Dead in a while because, you know, it is so nerve wracking. The last few times I was on Talking Dead, um, there were there were a couple of uh, things I saw on Twitter where it was like, uh, uh, find someone who looks into the camera the way Robert Kirkman looks into the camera on Talking Dead because I noticed 
that there's a uh, uh, there's a prompter that has. Can I reveal a little bit about talking? Yeah, yeah totally. There's a there's a prompter that has uh, uh, your next questions like on the bottom of one of the main cameras, and I'm so nervous about like, okay, what what's what's going to happen next? Like, what am I going to talk about? That I would be like, oh shit, I can totally see Chris's questions before he asks them. And so I can like work on my answer a little bit before. And so I was watching that camera as it would like move around and get shots, <laughs> like reading the uh, the question. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got a good answer for that. I know what to say there. That's cool. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not. Yeah. Cause that was, that was that one episode that, that okay. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and sometimes I would rewatch episodes before talking dead and sometimes I wouldn't have time to, uh, but uh but eventually I was just like, this is, this is too much work. It's too much work. I mean, it is, it is, you're right because it, and it's, it's specifically one of the two main reasons why I don't, I never watch the show ahead because I don't want that pressure. I don't want to know, you know, like I, I found out about, um, uh, Lori's death in, you know, that season three or four season three, I think it was episode four, season three, maybe. Uh, You're asking me? No, yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> and because I, I had visited, I was visiting the set, and I, you know, I saw, I saw Sarah come around the corner, just like covered in blood, in a way that was like, oh, you didn't survive whatever happened to you on the show. And I had to sit with that all summer long, and had to go to Comic Con, and she was on the panel. It's like, so what are you excited about for uh, Lori this year? You know, like, and it. And I, it, it was so hard to keep it in and I was terrified I was going to spoil something. And I also felt yeah. like I had to lie to people in order to pull it off. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that position. And so Welcome I went to my to- life, <laughs> <laughs> but for you, it's like, oh, I'm going to say something. Is this, did I accidentally just say something that happens in the comic or that happens on a few drip? Was it this episode? Was it this, was it this show? Was it that? And so I can understand the pressure yeah. of that, but also like, you're in this sort of uniquely maybe coveted, but also like not coveted position. It's it's almost kind of a George Lucas thing where it's like you created this thing, but you don't really own it anymore. Like emotionally, you don't really own it. It's owned by the fans and, you know, fan opinions are valid. And it's, it, it's, it, it's, it, whatever you think about the show is somewhat relevant, but also not entirely relevant at the same time, because people will have their own interpretations and their own ideas and that's all okay because as fans, they're entitled to whatever their their opinion is. But it is interesting that you've created this thing. Do you feel like in a way like, oh, it's not really mine. I'm like a consultant at this point, but it really sort of belongs to the world. Uh, I mean, I guess a little bit. I mean, uh, it's very much still mine, Chris. How dare you? Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, on paper uh, uh, it is. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. But no, I mean, it, it's it's uh, uh, it's really moving to think about how much of a part of people's lives it is. Uh, just how many hours that the, the people have devoted to this. I mean, uh, you know, I've been to many a many a convention. Uh, I did a I did a Walking Dead cruise uh, yeah. that was just populated with with people that love Walking Dead. Uh, and and so yeah, I mean, it's 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 really amazing. And um, you know, it does give you a, a a bit of a sense of just how important. Uh, you know, everything involving Walking Dead is just because you want to constantly be, um, you know, making these people happy and uh, giving them an experience that uh, uh, repays their dedication. Uh, so, you know, there's definitely a, a, a gravitas, I guess, that comes with it where, you know, when I would sit down to write Walking Dead comics when I was still 
uh, writing them, like you, 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 you can't help but have in the back of your mind, like, yeah, I mean, I'm writing an issue of a comic and I've been doing that for 16 years. And so I know what I'm doing, but you know, like <laughs> this panel might be tattooed on somebody's leg you know, like, like this, uh, uh, this is going to appear in a TV show that's going to be watched by millions of people. Uh, you know, I wonder if, I wonder if this line of dialogue will get turned into a meme, uh, you know, like, will, will this character be uh, worthy enough of getting an action figure? You know, like there's like dumb shit that pops into your head where you're like, I like, why am I thinking about this? Uh, but, uh, uh, and you know, and sometimes it makes you, uh, you know, be like, well, you know, this person will be more unique if they had goggles. So let's give them goggles. Uh, you know, and it may, it, you know, and, and it does influence things uh, uh, to a certain extent, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy seeing what walking Dead has become and, and, you know, how it has an effect on, you know, how everything is done. Yeah. And, and, and also just sort of speaking to that, you know, I, I, I do think, look, I, you know, this will always be a part of my life and I'm, 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 I'm very, that's comforting to me that will, that, that, that will, that even when the show ends and, you know, whether or not we do more talking deads, I don't know. Of course I would, um, but I don't know. Uh, but it'll still always be a part of my life. The same way that when characters come on and they die off, those actors are always, it's just a part of, it's just a part of a, this amazing yeah. community. And I think Walking Dead really helped to show us that in television, like these communities are really important because it's not just, yes, it is entertainment, but at the same time, you, know, you have to remember that it's, it's a part of people's lives. And like I was saying, you know, like my wife and I watch shows, it's a part of your ritual and it's a part of, it's, it's, it's a bonding experience. It's a communal experience. It's a way that people, it, it, it's something that gets people through tough times and, and helps them celebrate, uh, you know, like friendships and, or in cases where, you know, people will say like, oh, you know, like I, uh, this family member who's no longer with us, it was our favorite thing to do together. Like that is so impactful and important. Yeah. And, to be able to look people in the eye and hear those stories and see, you know, like it's not just a piece of entertainment. It really is like, we really understand now that it's, that it is a community. Um, that is, I think the thing that I am most comforted by that. I, I feel like I will always be a part of that even when the show is done. And, uh, and so that has helped a lot sort of, ebb some of the like oh man but i mean it but it is going to be a i will be sad like there's no way around it i know i'm just kicking it down the field uh for now but even when we were talking about before about how things exist so that then other things like invincible or deadpool are able to sort of comment on those things my wife and i watched this fun british show called zomboat and it's just this silly this silly listening this silly zombie comedy where one of the main characters is this girl who is like such a hardcore, like, you know, uh, gamer, uh, zombie, like, like sci-fi horror film fan. And they make a lot of walking dead references. Like, well, fucking Rick Grimes wouldn't have dot, 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 you know? And it's really fun. Um, because it is, again, it's in that same vein of like, you know, you can see the writers kind of having this dialogue with the fans. It's it's definitely a by fans for fans kind of a show, and so I don't know, just something that you might enjoy. Really, really fun and silly. It's a British British show called Zomboat. Well, uh, you had me until you said it was a British show. All right, take it easy now. <laughs> That's just a podcast joke. Don't get mad at me, guys. <laughs> That's just. <laughs> 
<laughs> so what have you been we're, we only we're almost at an hour now I, I realize that you and i have not caught up in a really long time i think maybe we chatted or texted you know once or twice and uh because i i, I miss those times where it'd be like fuck we haven't hung out in a while let's go have dinner and now that like going out to dinner i mean i know people can go dine outside but we're just emotionally not there yet um, <laughs> yeah i ain't taking no risks <laughs> but i miss our, I taking a risk for a pork chop I miss our dinners, man. I miss, I no, miss. I do too, man. I do too. It's, it's so weird. Like with the quarantine and the, the pandemic and everything like, uh, uh, you know, you don't, you don't call people on the phone, you know, like that used to be a thing, but like I have friends like you in, in Los Angeles where it's like you, you, the way we converse is we text and then we get together. Yeah. Hey, let's get together. Let's get together and talk. It's like, well, you, you have a device in your hand where you could just make a phone call and have the same conversation you would have over nah, dinner. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. But, doesn't count. but you, you don't. And so I, yeah, I feel terrible because you know, there's you, there's, there's dozens of other people that I just haven't really talked to or seen or, you know, uh, conversed with, uh, uh, much at all during the, uh, during the pandemic. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, it's funny, like getting, getting to do this podcast. I was like, am I going to sound like a human being? Like, can I, can I sound like a human for an hour? Because I haven't done this in a while. I I haven't done very many interviews. I mean, I'm doing more as we ramp up, uh, you know, for the launch of invincible, but I'm like, uh, you know, I don't, don't really go out. I don't really talk to people. Like I haven't been to the skybound office. Like we, we have zoom meetings from time to time, but, uh, even those, I feel like I'm an awkward weirdo now. Like, and maybe I was always an awkward weirdo and now I'm just aware of it, but, uh, it's just, you know, like, I feel like I'm rusty with my, uh, with my, uh, uh, sound making from, from my voice. thing. It's so easily, it's so easy to become an isolated hermit, especially when the world is like, stay home and be isolated. And then you start going, Oh, I guess I didn't really need to go out to get food. I guess I didn't really need well, I have a lot of clothes I don't wear. I don't really need all of these. I don't need. And then, so you just start of like, you just start, you just start kind of like retreating. And I think there's a steep slide into like just hermitism where you just don't, you're like, I don't need to go. I don't need to, you know, like, I don't need to do anything. I don't need to go out ever again, but because it's, you know, like we are in a time where we are able to have, thanks to Amazon coincidentally, um, and other like food delivery services. Yeah, we really don't have to leave. And I mean, yeah, th- those of us who are fortunate enough to have jobs that we can do at home, you know, like that's that's really the, you know you got to acknowledge that. Absolutely, uh, you know, we are we are very lucky to to be able to uh, you know sit at home and have a uh, a driver bring us everything that we could possibly want from Amazon. But uh, but yeah, it's crazy. Like, uh, uh, my, I, let me ask you this, Chris. Uh, uh, if you were to, uh, so, so February of, uh, of, of 2020, I would have said, there are so many television shows that I want to see. I don't know if I will ever have time to watch them all. Okay. But at what month did you run out of shows in the pandemic? Because for me, I think it was like October. <laughs> you know, it's like, wait a minute, there's, there's, there's nothing to watch. You know what? We did not have that problem because uh, there are two channels that is in our, well, first three things. Number one, Welcome. pretty much every horror movie that comes out, we watch. Yeah. So there's always a constant stream of horror to watch. Um, and then 
when you kind of live in the balance between HGTV and investigation discovery, there's always a true crime thing or series or a renovation thing or series to watch. So, and there are like, you know, I mean, I don't know. There must be a thousand episodes of like House Hunters International, you know, like there's no shortage of those types of shows that kind of fill in the gaps for the scripted things that we tell want. me about this house hunters international. I need to, Oh my need God. To, no, great. please don't. Okay. I'm kidding. But, uh, well, you know, okay, wait, let me just, as side note, do you watch house hunters at all? No, I don't. Okay. So there was regular house hunters, which is basically like a, you know, people in the United States looking for a house and there's three houses they look at. And then which one are they going to choose? And then house hunters international international has a weird twist where it's like, people are always, they either want to live in another country or a job is taking them to another country. But we noticed that well into the run of the series, they started really leaning into like relationship friction in a way that sometimes is like watching your friend's parents, like passive aggressively jab at each other where you feel like, should we be witnessing this? You know? And so it, and and it, and it's so many episodes in the last handful of seasons that I feel like it's, definitely something that they've leaned into where it's just like you'll have couples and it's like well i want this house well it's you know it's a thousand dollars more a month well yeah but i have to be here all the time well maybe you should get a job while you're there you know like it's that kind of stuff where you're like holy shit and i don't really like watching television friction but for some reason it uh it sort of works because at the very end they pick a place and then they always do the three months later oh we couldn't be happier and the lady and i was like Really? Because I feel like this relationship was not going to last. There was already friction and you had to start a new life in another country. That might be one too many asks for... So you're finding their Facebook pages to see if they've gotten divorced? (laughs) Seeing if it worked out. (laughs) I give it six months. Six months, maybe, if they're lucky. So we haven't actually... We haven't necessarily run out of stuff in that way because there's always some, you know there's always something to watch or some new series or something. Why you, you feel like you've exhausted all of Well, I mean, I clearly haven't run out of anything because there's great things like WandaVision and new shows that are coming out and stuff. But I feel like in February, it was like, there was just a massive list of all these shows that I had wanted to watch that I hadn't gotten around to. And, uh, you know, I've watched them. When does uh, that said, you know, if I gotta be honest, I'm still, I still need to get through Peaky Blinders. I, I haven't finished that show yet. So what I'm saying is I'm a liar. I still got to watch The Wire. I've been, I, I feel like the oh, longer, fuck, what? the longer I don't watch that, the harder it is for me to start it because the expectation is so, I felt so much pressure. And I know this because I have pressured people about like Breaking Bad, for instance, like, what do you mean you haven't seen Breaking Bad? It's only five seasons, you know, but The Wire, I feel such an intense responsibility to watch every, because I know it's a very detail oriented show to, yeah. to be so immersed in it. And I also feel the pressure to love it so much that it is almost, I've almost had a little bit of an avoidance. Like I'm kind of afraid to start it in a weird way. I don't know. You got to start watching the wire. You're ridiculous. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, you know, one of, if not the best TV show ever made. Uh, But uh, you know, don't be intimidated by it. It's not like it's like so complex that you're not going to be able to watch it. It's, you know, it's just a cool show. I also have great characters. It's also very funny. Like, I don't know if anyone's told you how funny it is. The show is goddamn hilarious. No, uh, it's, it's a, it's a good show. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, I watched the, uh, I think I got the first two seasons on DVD and then I watched the other seasons as they aired uh, way back uh, uh, in the day. 
And uh, uh, there's an episode, I believe, in season three or season four that my DVR or no, I think I didn't get home in time to watch it. And so I missed it. And so I would have had to uh, I, I, I feel like, the, you know, like HBO would rerun things. And I just I just missed this episode. And I was like, I, do I buy the DVD season just to watch this one episode that I missed? But there is a mythical one episode of The Wire in season three or four that I missed and never got to watch so i'm actually planning at some point to re-watch the wire and i'm very excited that there's an episode buried in there that uh that i have never seen um because i just like the next week i just was like i, I guess i'm just gonna watch this episode and i followed <laughs> along okay and just went through the it was season. a different time when we couldn't just but, call things up on our phones but the sad thing chris and i don't know if you've noticed this or if you're willing to acknowledge this i have hit an age where i know when I finally do rewatch The Wire, I more than likely won't be aware of which episode it is that I never watched before. <laughs> so you don't even remember which episode, you don't even know the episode number. No, I don't. But like, I'm watching Breaking Bad again with my son and I'm like, oh yeah, I know how this goes. And then it doesn't go that way. And I'm like, shit, I totally forgot about this one subplot. This is crazy. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's almost like I'm watching it for the first time. I mean, I remember a lot of the big stuff and, you know, things like that, but, uh, uh, there's a lot that you forget uh, when you get old. <laughs> you know what people will not see because this is an audio podcast is how your head sunk down and you just looked down off screen. And when you went, as you get old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you get a lot of, you get a lot of time to think about uh, your age in the, uh, in the pandemic. And then yeah, uh, I definitely, I definitely get real sad. <laughs> that's, that's been, that's been circling around the back of my head. Like, so how many more goes around the sun do I get here? You know, you start counting like, well, I guess if I'm lucky, I'll get 30 more Christmases. Like if I'm really lucky, you know, like, and it is kind of a weird, you just don't think about that stuff before because you always feel like this time millionaire where like, oh, I got all the time in the world. And then you go, well, no, no, I guess I don't. And hmm, I don't know. Yeah, what do I? <laughs> a, little, a little horrifying. I think it's in the two towers. Someone says uh, they're talking about the soldiers they have. And they're like, some have seen uh, uh, too few winters and some have seen too many, you know, to say that some of these guys are too old. Some of these guys are too young. And I had never really heard that like vernacular, like like referring to how many seasons you'll experience as like a reference to your age. And so now I'm like, uh, OK, so I'm 42. I've got. I've got eight summers until I'm 50. Like, <laughs> and when you, and when you break it down that way, it's like eight summers is nothing. Especially that, when you get to this age where a year is basically like a month, like a month. I mean, well, you that, remember what that, a year was like when you were young, like, Holy crap. It was like forever. Now you're yeah, like, yeah, what, the school what, year what? felt like 10 years. Like, Oh my God, it's only September. This doesn't end until like May. What the fuck? You know, but what you just said reminds me of Harry met Sally when Harry met Sally, where she's, where Meg Ryan's like, it's like she's sobbing. She's really upset. And she's like, I don't want to be 40. And he goes, when? Someday in eight years. Yeah, but it's just out there. It's just out there. It's just like that same kind of thing. It's just out there. But you well, know, we don't have to think about that. We're re-releasing The Walking Dead Deluxe. We're re-releasing The Walking Dead in, in color. And we're releasing it as The Walking Dead Deluxe, which is a uh, twice monthly series. You get two issues a month. And uh, I'm doing this fun thing in the back of every issue where I go through my handwritten plots and oh. I talk about like 
how I changed certain things or, or different storylines that I had planned and abandoned. And, you know, some characters could have died at this point, but didn't. And some characters died at that point and could have lived. And, you know, like different things that and just going through the behind the scenes, because I have like a handwritten plot for every single issue. And a lot of them are very different than what ended up coming out. Uh, uh, and uh, it's fun to like kind of dig back into it. And so, you know, like every few weeks I sit down and I go through my plots and I write a bunch of notes about different things I was thinking at the time. And, and it's great. But uh, uh, I recently did the one for issue uh, 11. And uh, uh, I have like a list of, you know, Herschel's family and who's on the Herschel's farm and their ages. And Herschel was a, uh, you know, an older gentleman who had adult children. And, you know, like when I was writing that issue, I was like 23, 24. And so in my notes, I have Herschel, 49. And I'm looking at it and I'm just like, 49? Like, really? Totally reasonable, by the way. Totally reasonable. A guy, you know, like a guy living on a farm in Georgia, he would have had kids at 23, 24. And they would have been 25, 26 when he was 49. You know, like, like it's totally plausible. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, now that I say it, I have a 15 year old son. So when I'm 49, my son will be, uh, what is, uh, what is it? Seven, 22, 23. So, yeah. so yeah, you know, it's, uh, uh, okay. So just one, I looked, I looked down again. I apologize. <laughs> it's so oh. involuntary. Like, Oh, God, what am I? Uh, um, so, okay. So just one, is there one, thing before we wrap this up in the comics you talk about storylines you abandoned is there one storyline that you're like shit i probably should not have abandoned this one thing no there hasn't been i mean uh i haven't gotten to some of the bigger stuff because later in the run there were you know like i i had an ending planned for issue 70 i don't know 72 set like i had an ending planned for the series and i and it wasn't nailed down to an issue but it was very soon after they got to Alexandria. And I've talked about this a little bit, I think, when I finally did in the series. But uh, when I got to that point in the in the uh, comics, I was like, one, this ending sucks. It's super depressing and super dark, and it doesn't really, like, give you a satisfying conclusion. And two, like, I'm having a great time, and I can't bear the thought of not, you know, writing these characters anymore. And so, uh, you know, and this was like months before I actually got to that point in the story. It wasn't like I was writing the last issue and was like, I can't do it. Uh, but uh, but there are things like that that I've abandoned along the way where, you know, um, you need to, you know, like I had to like, uh, uh, you know, like come up with other things to, to you know, keep the thing going. And, uh, uh, you know, I just I at that point, I couldn't, you know, bear the thought of ending it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, huh? Was it a different? Yeah, it ending? was. Yeah, it was a completely different ending. About, I mean, it was the, the ending was basically everyone died. Like that's that's the short version of it. Right. Um, you know, it was. Uh, uh, I mean, I'll just tell you. I think I've talked about it before. I don't remember, but uh, when Rick gives uh, uh, the speech uh, about like living in Alexandria long term and how they can rebuild civilization and how this is you know where they were supposed to be, and I think. Uh, you know, this is like pre-Negan, pre-Ezekiel, like this is, you know, before a lot of that stuff, um, he was going to be giving that speech. And as he gave that speech, uh, it was just going to fade to a statue of him having given that speech. So it would be like a, you know, like a, a marble version of, of Rick, like in the moment where he was giving the speech. And then you would zoom away from the statue and see that the statue's in the middle of Alexandria and it like commemorates the time when Rick gave this, you know, monumental speech about the rebuilding of civilization and Alexandria would be 
like built up like it was way more successful and there was all kinds of like buildings and structures and everything in Alexandria but it had been abandoned for many years and all the windows were gone and it was a complete ruin and zombies were walking by oh so and so so the end was like Rick succeeded he finally rebuilt civilization and then it didn't work and there's still zombies and fuck you uh and so I was like well that's that's probably not the best ending (laughs) it didn't work and fuck you yeah yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gl- I'm you know glad it didn't end that way. Uh, uh, glad glad that it continued. Um, but we did we did keep the Rick statue thing. That is something that happens at the at the end of the comics for for people that want that part spoiled. Um, but uh, but yeah, so there were, there were elements of that that were kept. But I feel like what we eventually ended up with is you know a much more thoughtful, appropriate ending for for people that had you know gone on this sixteen year journey and actually wanted there to be some kind of meaningful resolution that you know gave the story some kind of uh, value. But I understand that, though, because especially from what I understand about how you were approaching the comic to begin with, it really was to to kind of shake up how these types of stories are told, which is why you cut off it. Oh, wouldn't it be fucking crazy if you cut off the main character's hand? And, yeah. you know, like and so from an early point of view to end this to end the series of that way, I can I can see I can understand why what I imagine your thought process was for how the comic was being done why that seemed appropriate to you from early on like oh yeah well it's fucked up it's a fucked up brutal world no one survives the apocalypse that's kind of the you know and so i understand but i'm also glad that you were evolved enough to go okay well at the point i'm at now i feel like that we've gone past that and i really do care about this and i care about the community of fans i care about the characters i care about doing it and so i want to give it a better you know so i appreciate that you that you uh, let that go in favor of of being able yeah. to move on yeah. with it it's like as i as i got older and more mature i decided to do something that you know like there was a little bit more optimism and hope that uh, that crept into the storytelling uh, that i think shaped the ending in a in a much more satisfying way yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, when you're young, you want everything to be punk rock and break structure. But then as you start to get older, you go, you know, maybe there is something to this, uh, you know, uh, verse, bridge, chorus, verse, chorus, structure, you know, like, maybe there is a little, maybe it's not so, you know, maybe these things work for a reason. But yeah. um, I, I'm excited for Invincible. When is it? When is it premiere? Uh, March 26th. March 26th. So they're going to, so Amazon's going to drop the first three episodes and then it'll be week to week after that. Yeah. It's uh, it's hashtag invincible Friday, every Friday leading up to March 26th. And then uh, we got three episodes on the 26th and then you will get one episode a week until we get to the end of the eight episode first season, which I believe will be around April 30th, I think is the date. Uh, so yeah, you'll get three episodes to begin with and then weekly after that. Fantastic. Is there anything else that you want to plug or anything else? coming up look i got this new mattress company that's coming up we got uh, whipped yep. cream mattresses there are mattresses full of whipped cream uh creamy dreams i believe is what uh, our tagline is <laughs> god uh, damn it that was the perfect dude you stuck the landing that was an olympic level riff creamy dreams uh, at creamy dreams whipped cream beds we just want to say if you ain't sleeping on whipped cream then fuck you no it doesn't work doesn't work uh yeah we just want to say if you're not sleeping on uh creamy then you're gonna pay there you go yeah perfect uh robert kirkman with back pain you're gonna pay with back pain 
it's not, you're not going to get the whipped cream's great. It doesn't quite give you the lumbar support that you might need. And uh, the whipped cream gets a little rank. Uh, even with the, uh, the chemicals, don't eat it. It's not edible. You might think you could eat it. You might think you could just squirt some on a, you know, on a, on a sweet bun or something or, uh, or, or a hot dog, but you can't. And uh, listen, we pulled so many chemicals in this whipped cream to keep it from going sour. That it is neon blue. This is some neon blue whipped cream inside these mattresses. They're just uh, water beds, by the way. These cream, these these cream mattresses are just water beds that we dug just, out of landfills and filled with whipped cream. Just reuse water beds. That's all it is. That's all it is. Now I'm gonna have to look up if they still sell water beds somewhere. Somewhere, someone's still got a water bed somewhere. I, I imagine. But I, um, I I adore you, Robert Kirkman. I hope to get to see you in person at some point soon. Um, and I'm driving uh, your house right now. Please. Oh, driving somebody. your house right now. We're going to give each other COVID with our mouths. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the specificity of the transmission. I appreciate That's that. That's how you give it. Uh, I love you and I hope to see you soon. And uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for doing the podcast again. I like you too, Chris. I like you too, man. <laughs> Let's uh, transform and roll out. Ooh-wee. ID 10 T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 65th National Finals of Distinguished Young Women. Every year, one girl from every state leaves her family, her whole life behind, for two weeks and spends each day training, practicing, preparing. Because to win this competition, she needs to wow a panel of judges with her academic record, her athletic ability, her speaking skills, and a show-stopping talent. I met her and I was like, she's going to win. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. When I sing that song about being a black woman in America, there's going to be backlash about that. Oh, I'm just so happy. So happy. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them. And then we stayed with them for the next year. Unpacking just what happened those two weeks in Mobile. I'm Shimoliai, and from Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.